Welcome back, everyone, to the Canoe Race World Podcast, your one and only um, place for everything in the world of marathon canoe racing. I am here with my co-host, Bill Mahaffey. How are we doing, Bill? We are doing great, Kevin, and I got to tell you, I'm excited to be back here for episode four. Um, here we are kind of in the infant stages, the Canoe Race World Podcast, and uh Trying a little bit different software tonight. Um, we'll see how things work out. I'm pretty excited, pretty glad to be back on the air. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a lot. We've been trying to get our schedules aligned together so we can do this because um, we have a good guest on today. We have our friend uh, Ben Schlimmer, also Canoe Race World, um, Canoe Race World. Uh, contributor and uh, he's really helping with the um, admin stuff on uh, Canoe Race World and uh, he's also just one of the best racers out there. Oh absolutely uh, yeah welcome welcome Ben. Thanks Bill it's good to be on the show. (laughs) Now before we get into the actual content let's uh, take a minute to say hello to our sponsors um, GRB Newman's Designs and Zavril Racing Equipment got some news in the GRB world that they are trying to, they are producing a new Pro Bowl. So this is going to be some uh, interesting uh, things in this next year with them because uh, they are really, they do like the stock class in New York. They, they're very good at the stock class and the C4, and they've just been wanting to get back into the C2 Pro for a while now, so uh, um, so it's interesting that they're going to be getting back into that game, and uh, excited to see what they're going to come out with on that note. So, yeah, I've, I've seen some some leaked photos of the, the new C2 Pro Boat design, and it's exciting. Let me tell you, it's, it's time somebody came up with something a little different. And I think it'll work. I think he's got a home run there. Yeah, yeah. So um, so be on the lookout for more info on uh, Canoe Race World uh, in regards to that. And uh, we'll guys keep you all updated with anything new that's going on in the sport. So we are in October. And what that means to most of us is... The race season is officially over. I mean, there's Chattajack this weekend, but uh, really, the marathon scene is is all over. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about the um, how the whole overall season went. Phil, what do you? Th- how do you think this overall season has gone so far? You know what? I thought 2019, really, as we look at it. Um, signaled a possible start to the changing to the changing of the guard um as we look at race results on a on a state level and and on a triple crown level you know we're starting to see some people that are really climbing um really making their presence known at these races um I'm really curious after 19 to see how 2020 goes and how 2021 goes. Um, could could see some big changes at the top. Yeah, for sure. For sure. There's definitely, um, 
I'm seeing in the results, you know, you see some of the guys that are in the perennial, like, you know, top 15, top 10, starting to slide back a little bit. And uh, I think it's because we're, we are starting to get some really young talent into the sport, um, you know, especially out in Michigan. Um, uh, you guys definitely have a lot of uh, youngins that are going to be just, they're only going to get better. So well, Yeah, it's um, it's. A- it's a, it's a deep field for pretty much everywhere. Um, a, a top 10 is a lot harder to accomplish now than what a top 10 was five years ago. Same with the top 20 or, or even a, a top 40 at Michigan, um, top 20 in New York, however you want to look at that, your barometer. The field is just better, right? The equipment's yep. better. The, the paddlers are better. Um Every everybody's faster now. It's it's incredible. Yeah, it's definitely, and it's 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 interesting to note that there's still some of those key guys out there that are still just dominating. Even though, like you know, we talk about Andy and we talk about Steve and how they're still so dominant, but it, it's 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 their times coming where I think uh, there's there's definitely people out there that in the next year or two, you're going to start to see um, a little bit better battles for that top spot, I think. Yeah, um, that was an interesting conversation. You bring up Andy. Um, I got into a debate with somebody, oh, it was probably, I don't know, first or second week of September over, could Andy be beat? And everybody's beatable. Like, I think if you asked Andy that question, right, that would be his response is that everybody is beatable. It's just a matter of of when, you know. Yeah. Um, It's it's a good thing you bring that up because I know there's someone here that's on this um, podcast right now that probably thinks that Andy can get beat. What what is your opinion on that, man? Let's hear this. Well, I think he's already been beat, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, True. Yes, yes, Andy Andy is human. You know, he's like the rest of us. And, you know, he is he is where he is because, you know, who, of who he is, you know. Um, you know, he trains hard, works hard, and then the results show. But Serge Corbin had his day. Andy will have his day. And, you know, everything always comes full circle, I think. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I also – I also seem I, I I mean I like Andy I like I mean you can't deny what he's done but a lot of it he's also done with Steve and I think Steve's someone that doesn't get as much um, you know cred as he deserves personally um, and I think that's one of the things when you put them together it's because you have Andy and Steve which I think makes them such a dominant force. But I think, I think when you start mixing it up, that's when you, you know, it's, it's easier. Um, you know, there's a big difference there. Well, what, yeah, what, what, what's so special about that arrangement is you can take, um, the, the top 20 fastest paddlers in the world and play mixer with them. And it doesn't, necessarily mean that 
you're going to put them together and they're going to be great together. But in their own rights, Andy as an individual is a world-class paddler, world-class athlete. And Steve is the same thing individually, world-class athlete, world-class paddler. You put them together in a boat and they're even better. They, they mesh at a completely different level. Um, yeah, that, that's what's special about that to me. Yeah. That's what, that's what really makes a champion team, you know, is, uh, just how well the two paddlers go together. Like you can get two athletes in a boat that aren't the best of the best, but if you get two athletes who are the best of the best and they match up perfectly, you know, it's like game over. And I think we've kind of, we've obviously seen that with Andy and Steve for the last 10 years or so. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Totally. But, all right, so let's let's move on a little bit. Um, I want to uh, let the let the viewers know or listeners know because we're not viewing anything, but <laughs> the listeners know uh, someday, a little someday. bit about a little <laughs> yeah, bit about canoe, sure. canoe race world and what's going on with that. And this is a great <laughs> opportunity to do that because we have the um, biggest contributors of canoe race world all together right now. So. There is a lot going on in the canoe race world, um, world, <laughs> and uh, we have actually been, uh, me and Ben have been doing a lot of work on the site, so um, if you haven't been to the site, I hope you uh, hop on and, and take a look at what we're, done, what we're doing. We are um, working on getting uh, uh, a place for race directors to submit all of the results and making it easy for them to do so so that way we can have all the major results in uh, the canoe world all in one place so that's one thing that we've been working on we're also working in conjunction with the um, newly named uh, new york paddle sports racing association which used to which was nor uh, was known previously as New York Marathon Canoe Racing Association (NIMCRA). So we are. Um, if I if, they, I inter- if I can interject for a second, Kevin, yeah. I want to no? say uh, the way that I pronounce it is NIPRA. Um, just to put the word out there. <laughs> NIPRA, yeah. I, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little more. You know what? That's a little more inclusive too, right? Yeah. Uh, NIPRA. Like, why should we leave other panel? Yeah, I like it. Like a lot. Yeah. Well, that's the that's the whole point is because we uh, in New York we have um, actually a pretty good uh, kayaking group um, that has been a part of NIMCRA for so long that we felt like we needed to get them included into it, and so that's why we ended up changing the name to um, NIPRA. Yeah. So and it's not it's not just for the the kayakers too. You know, it's our yep. goal to, to grow the sport, and I think it, by including every paddle, paddle type, you know, is uh, is really important. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I agree. So, um, so it's a good move for I think for NIPRA, and uh, it's definitely a good. It'll uh, definitely be a good thing for us at Canoe Race World. But now we can take our our combined efforts and kind of, you know, the parts together, you know, will make a better whole than just the two single parts entities uh, apart. So we're, we're pretty darn excited about that. Um, and we're also adding new contributors to the site. Um, so uh, like Miranda 
has uh, um, contributed a couple times so far. Um, Brianna Fitzgerald also um, put a contribution into the site. We, we have Sean Burke, um, who do, runs uh, the Science of Paddling. Um, he's he's uh, sending us some stuff now too. So um, so we got a lot more content that's going to be pushing out there um, over the next year. So it's really exciting uh, yes. on the canoe race world side. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, part of the bigger goal is too is just to consolidate the the information that's out there. Um, and part of part of the reason why we're doing this big push on canoe race world is is uh, you know we rebranded Nigra or Nimgra uh, to Nigra and with the new branding it comes a new logo. Um, so Kevin and I are also building a website for for the um, for Nigra and um, you know it, we're trying to just to get everything centralized in all in one location to bring canoeing into the digital age, which is then yeah, that's it, which is important, right? Because if somebody really wants to learn about this sport, but maybe is a little shy to actually go to a race or talk to a paddler or something, you know, what are they going to do? They're going to hop on Google because it's almost 2020 and that's what people do. And there needs to be a good landing spot for them. Absolutely. You know, the, the, yep. the first question I always get when somebody asks about the boat on my roof of my car when I drive around, they're like, oh, what is that? Oh, it's a marathon boat. And they say, you know, you know, where can I, can I look it up online? And usually I can't, I, can, I tell them, uh, not really. We're not really on Google. We don't really have a website or any real yeah, information exactly. anywhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, so we're trying to make hey. change. We have reached the front page of Mar- when you search marathon canoe racing. So canoe race world is officially on the first page of Google. Uh, on the first page of the, the Google results. Yeah. That's awesome. So, that's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. That's always a that's always uh, a good a good sign that you're doing some good stuff. So, um, but yeah, yeah, that all inclusive nature I think is good, and it's just one of those things that. This, 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 you know, our industry, we'll call it, um, it's hard, it's like a micro industry, um, is just there's not enough digital presence out there to help engage new followers and new, you know, and new people out there. Because that's one thing when I first started getting in, started in this sport, <laughs> I just couldn't find any information. And I was in an area that now Ben's in the area, but there's really no you know, major racers in the area. So it's really hard to learn to progress and do that things. And so now we will have a broader outreach so we can reach more people um, in a wider uh, scope instead of just the basic canoeing hubs of the Susquehanna, you know, the three rivers up in Canada and, you know, the Sable in Michigan. You know, yeah. so, um, so yeah, so that, so that all good things there. So with that being said, let's keep this moving. Let's get on to, um, let's get a little more in depth with you, Ben. Let's, uh, talk about, since this is a, the race, uh, recap season, let's start off with how your season went. Let's know. I want to hear the fans want to hear the good and the bad of your race season this year? Oh, 2019 was, uh, it's been an interesting one. Um, a lot of change in my personal life and, uh, and some 
change in my uh, professional canoeing career as well. Um, you know, I, I kind of, the last few seasons, I've uh, focused on the 70 and trying to do as best as I can there. Um, my partner, Trevor Fever and I have been trying to win that for a few years and be placed on the podium for the last few times we've gone and done it. So, but, um, you know, in 2019, I moved to Syracuse and uh, bought a house and, and uh, did a whole bunch of stuff. So <laughs> as you can imagine, right. uh, you know, I've been um, kind of focusing on, on a few different things, but, uh, you know, Trevor and I teamed up for the, the general Clinton again this year and we placed, uh, we placed second. So, um, you know, it started out well, the season started out well as a whole, I'd say, you know, we had a good, we had a good early campaign, you know, we won a bunch of races on the local circuit, you know, in the Susquehanna Valley and and, in New York state. And, um, and then after, after the 70, you know, we decided to do the the marathon together. Um, as probably most people know, um, you know, we didn't finish the marathon uh, due to injury. Um, you know, Trevor, we tipped over in a bad spot. Trevor hurt his back, and you know, long story short, we didn't finish. So, um, you know, it went beyond it went beyond just the marathon canoeing too. Uh, I also went out to Thailand and did some dragon boat racing, and uh, so you know, it's yeah, been a, it's, it's been a kind of a, a very full yeah, season. <laughs> we we are gonna get into that. We want to get into yeah. that Thailand, but I do want to touch on one thing that you were said in there, Ben. Um, with your move to Syracuse, I want you to tell us a little bit about the difference in being, because this is something I think that you're you're kind of uh, um, realizing, you might be realizing now, um, being in Syracuse for a while now, and uh, you used to live in the in Oneana, correct? Uh, yeah, that's correct. Which which is for people that don't know, that's right in the middle of the seventy course, and it's the Susquehanna. Uh, River Valley. So there are a lot of paddlers in that area. So tell us a little bit about the differences um, that you found going from an area where you see people when you paddle <laughs> to Syracuse, where yeah. you see me yeah. if we are going to paddle together. <laughs> yeah, I'll say uh, there's a lot of great paddlers in, uh, in the Susquehanna Valley and Oneonta. And really, that's that's like the, the focal, po- focal point in the state when it comes to you know, number of paddlers, talent, you know, you know, obviously the general Clinton is held on that river. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I moved to Oneonta, I graduated college and I moved to Oneonta shortly afterwards. Um, you know, I took a job there and then that was back in like 2015, but, um, I went to school out in Rochester and in, in Rochester was kind of the same deal when I was going to school, you know, there was Mark Gillespie was out there and some of that group, but, uh, you know, much of the time I trained alone, but um, in Oneonta, when I moved to Oneonta, it was like a huge change. It was like, oh my God, there's people in the re- out in the river to paddle with. <laughs> so I was I was in paradise, you know. But um, but yeah, having having training partners, you know that, and that's when I found Trevor. Um, you know, it was that first year when I was out there. You know, I was out there training on the river, and then got to talk and like, hey, we should try to win the seventy, and and uh, next year we went. You know, we just made a run for it, but yeah, it's huge having somebody to go and paddle with every day. You know, who's just as motivated, just as focused as you are, um, makes a a huge difference. So that's something that's you know, it's got to be a little bit more challenging. I know that we try to get out together when we can, you know, when schedules align and everything. But um, 
it's got to be a little bit more challenging. Yeah, um, absolutely. When you don't have that huge community. Yeah, exactly. It's like when when you don't. Yeah, go ahead, Bill. I was gonna say, Ben, do you prefer training in the C1 more or in the C2? Honestly, I I like paddling C2 more. Um, you know, it's just somebody to talk to, talk to, and you can feed off each other. Um, you know, I def- I definitely appreciate C1 and enjoy paddling C1, but um, you know, I, I've always been a, a stern guy, so I enjoy the the mental aspect of being in a C2. Sure. But you sure. but you love the K1 the most, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a convert. I'm a convert. <laughs> big, big life changes here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a that's a little inside joke for those that are uh you know uh know ben bought a, a k1 from uh, chris Prue and uh has been dabbling in it this uh this season a little bit and uh let's not say he's 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 not the speed demon that he is in the sea, <laughs> yes. in the in the canoes that he is in the kayak right now. The so. kayak's pre- previous owner was quite a bit better than I am. <laughs> they say once you go double blade, you never go back. Yeah. <laughs> Single blade for life. <laughs> yeah, same, same oh. here. <laughs> but, but it didn't end there. I actually sold both my canoes too, so I currently only only own a kayak. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> Thus the so, change to Nipra. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I really pushed that one through. Yeah. So, uh, all right, let's uh, let's get into the better. Um, let's let's get. We were uh, talking about Thailand a little bit, so let's, let's dig into that. Yeah, let's let's oh, talk Thailand. Oh, yeah, man, I want all the details. Yeah, what an adventure! That was a uh, kind of a crazy thing, and it was unexpected too. Um, you know, for me, Dragon Boat goes back a few years. Um, I first started doing it in 2014. Um, that was kind of when I really got into paddling, or I became something in the on the paddling circuit. And uh, Bob McNamara, the the coach of the Dragon Boat team, um, called me then. And he was like, "Hey, you want to go try out for the team? You know, this is Team USA." Um, and this is back in 2014, so I got I got to go to China and, and to uh, Hong Kong, and we did some regattas out there, and then. Fast forward to the summer. I've never been in a dragon boat since then. Fast forward to the summer. Um, after the 70, he calls me up again. He's like, hey, Ben, you know, Worlds are in, uh, in Thailand this year. Do you want to try out for the team? So I'm like, okay, yeah, why not? You know, I'll give it a shot. Um, I'm always, as you can see with my kayak, I'm always up for a challenge. <laughs> so so I drove down to Philadelphia. Philadelphia is where the team is based out of. Uh, went, out to that, went down there, did uh, an OC1 time trial. Um, threw down the best time of the day and you know the next morning he he uh told me he said hey, yep you made the team you know definitely gonna be on the team so long story short um a couple months later i was on a plane and over in thailand that 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 is amazing and you guys actually took gold in an event there right is that correct uh yes we did yes there are several races actually um we did they ranged from 2K down to like 200 meters, and it was five days of solid racing, you know, mixed, men's, women's, um, short boat, long boat, you know. I think in total there are like 380 races, <laughs> you know, from, <laughs> wow. uh, from uh, you know, a ton of different countries and stuff. But, yeah, we won we won the 2K gold uh, in men's and women's, and then I think we got silver in the 1K, bronze in the 500, and 
we didn't medal in the 200. I think we got fourth. So we were had a pretty consistent pattern there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, we had the, the strong 2K. marathoners. So yeah, 2K I'll tell you, yeah. strength. I'll tell, I'll tell you that. You know, our, the the Team USA crew is made up of like a, you know, marathon paddlers, outrigger paddlers, dragon boarders, um, you know, kayakers, everything like that. And, and Bob McNamara does a great job getting these teams together. And usually, we don't really train at all. Um, you know, the first time the whole team was in the boat together was uh, the day before the race, the day before the regatta started. So um, I would say we definitely lean towards the distance side with the, with the Outrigger crew and uh, Ross Flummer from California. And I did the race. Uh, my brother was out there as well. Actually, two of my brothers and my sister. So yeah, that, we definitely that, felt more pretty, comfortable in the long, the long races. Yeah, pr- pretty amazing. Um Quick, quick question. Uh, one of the cool things about the podcast, man, I was just absolutely swamped with questions from different people. Hey, can you talk about this? Can you talk about that? <laughs> I'd like to know about that. So, so this one actually comes from uh, LJ, the, the Beast Bourgeois, paddler from uh, the Ascota, Michigan area. Um, really had a, had a great race this year and is starting to pick up his marathon paddling game. Um, and his question was, you know, hey, can we get somebody on here to talk about the difference between a dragon boat and an outrigger stroke and a and a marathon paddling stroke? Um, a, a lot of us have watched. Now, Kevin's got a few videos out there now, but a lot of us started out watching mainly uh, outrigger paddle stroke videos to kind of try to learn the stroke. So if you could kind of just go into the difference b- between those all. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good topic. Um it's interesting how all areas of paddling have their own style. Um, I'd say marathon paddling is cer- certainly unique compared to uh, to uh, outrigger. Um, outrigger boats, you know, they they usually race in the longer six-man boats, and the and uh, <clears throat> the old style boats used to be made of trees, so they're you know 500-pound, you know, 40-foot boats. You know, they're huge. So, <laughs> right. So paddling that style of boat, you know, it really uh, favored the big, strong, heavy uh, kind of guy. So generally the stroke rate is, you know, 40 strokes a minute and their the stroke is long. Kevin talks about DPS and everything like that all the time, but no, their DPS is probably off the charts. <laughs> yeah, their, yeah, great, their, great article just he just put up on uh, distance first stroke, yep. Yep, and the, the stroke rate is very slow and they use a, like a whole full body stroke, a lot of like lunge and weight in it, putting their weight into it. Um, but if I had to compare that to a marathon stroke, um, ours is much faster, much shorter, much, much more compact. Um, for us, for us, that works out better because the boats are smaller. For one. And, um, you know, if we copied that outrigger style, long power, you know, heavy stroke, uh, you would probably see some like, uh, some bounce in the hull and, and the boat wouldn't really glide well and everything like that. So gotcha. it's, inter- it's, it's interesting how the strokes have evolved through the, the conditions. Yeah. Now, now in the dragon boat, it looks like you guys are just hammering away. Like what's the stroke yeah. right there? Oh God, it's crazy. It does vary for, for area. Um, and I think it varies on uh, athletic ability or, uh, basically how well the team works together, I should say. Um, but the Chinese, for instance, you know, they're known for having very high stroke rate, very intense, fast paddling. And they were hitting 
they were hitting 160 strokes a minute for the for the 200 meter events. And uh, yeah, the, the, their cadence is just absolutely yeah, incredible. It's super super high. And and the, there's 20 there's 22 people in the in a dragon boat, so um, you know there's a lot of weight in the boat, so a higher faster stroke rate helps the boat just pick up and glide. And you can definitely feel the boat gliding if you do it right. Where uh, for like Team USA. Um, now, our team compared to the Chinese team, we're heavier, bigger, stronger people. Um, so our and we're marathoners and outrigger guys and dragon boaters and all that. So our stroke rate tended to be a little bit slower. I think, you know, the fastest stroke rate we hit was like 100 strokes a minute or something like that, which sounds crazy high for a marathon boat, <laughs> and it is, but uh, it seems to work well in a, in a dragon boat. Now, interesting me, stuff. Can I can I ask you, Ben? Does the because with an outrigger paddle and a marathon paddle, there's not that much difference. They're both bent shaft, and they both yeah. have roughly the same blade shape. Um, but there's a big difference between a dragon boat paddle and a marathon paddle because they're straight shaft, right? Yes, yes and, absolutely. absolutely. There's, there's a lot of tradition involved with dragon, dragon boating in general. Um, and there's very strict rules on the dimensions of the paddles and the, and the boats as well. And the, equip, the equipment, too, down to the kind of seat pad you can have and the thickness of it. And, uh, and um, you know, can you wear, like, how much can you wear shoes or can you not wear shoes? There's a lot of crazy stuff like that. But, uh, um, right. but yeah, the Dragon Boat paddles, they're, they're straight shaft. They're shorter. They can't be over 51 inches long, I believe. Um, and the... Uh, the blades themselves have to be a very particular shape. You can't have, you know, the like the the, conca- uh, the uh, concavity you have in the marathon style or the dragon or the outrigger style. So they have to be like, be like more of a flat blade. And, yeah, uh, that's um, that's something interesting. Just to also note the differences between the discipline, the disciplines, and like uh, there are some outriggers where you have to have wooden shafts and stuff like that too. Yes. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So that's, but how much does that change your actual stroke? It does. It does surprisingly. It does quite a bit. Um, you can definitely pick out the the marathon and the outrigger guys um, on the lineup. Like if, if let's say we're all in the dragon boat at the same time, um, because with the bench shaft paddles, you know you don't have to exaggerate your stroke so much you know you don't have to really get that positive blade angle because you know you right, get you get that using the spent 12 12 degrees already yep exactly so the coach told me you know bob mcnamara told me several times you know hey ben make sure you get that reach make sure you get that positive blade angle because you know i kind of revert back to my normal angle of attack i call it and uh you know it kind of just stands out from everybody else So it, it, in marathon, would you say that a faster stroke rate, maybe a little shorter? Are you a strokes per minute guy or a distance per strokes guy? I think a combination of both. Um, I think Kevin put it really well in his article, but uh, you know, I think I think it's very important to have not go below a certain stroke rate. Or you can even make an argument to not go above a certain stroke rate, but uh, um, I think going too slow of a stroke rate is a problem. Like you've seen very successful people, successful racers have very slow stroke rates, and some have very high, like the Rousseau brothers. You know, they're famous for 
um, having a hundred strokes a minute and their GPS <laughs> is probably like ding, five ding, feet. Ding, ding, ding. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but they're very successful. They're like Serge's biggest rivals for a while. Um, but I think having, you know, having having that 75 strokes a minute average in a race and, and trying to maximize your DPS off of that um, is the way to go. Interesting. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. It is interesting. It's in, you know, uh, for those that want to go and read that article, um, I kind of touch on that, but there's like, there's a, I think it has to really do with uh, your one, and this is going to get, lead us into our next topic of like uh, genetic potential and stuff too. Cause like I mentioned like, uh, 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 Capoche or I, I never can pronounce his name. Uh, the guy that Kip, just broke Kip the Chogi, two, two hour. Yeah. Kipchoge. Yeah. That's it. Kipchoge. Yeah. Kipchoge. Yep. So, um, you know, there's, he has some genetic potential out there that I'm never going to have as a runner. So what he can do with his, um, distance in his stride length and, and, you know, his cadence is going to be totally different than what I can do. So it's really about maximizing your own genetic potential. And so there's going to be people that have longer, um, uh, lever arms or, you know, arms in general that are going to make them have a longer distance per stroke than I can. Um, so they can get away with a short, uh, a, a, a slower um, distance, I mean, uh, stroke rate. Whereas in someone that's shorter might have to have a higher stroke rate because they can only get so much distance per stroke based on their genetic makeup, um, both in the, uh, uh, muscle skeletal system and, um, aerobic capacity too. So, um, I think it's, if you are increasing your efficiency on distance per stroke, but then also not letting your stroke rate drop, um, to do that, I think that's how you're going to end up maximizing your own genetic potential. Yeah, but I digress. So, um, Let's talk about genetic potential for a minute because you then come from people that aren't in the marathon canoeing world won't know, but most of us in the canoe uh, world do know that the Schlimmer name is a pretty um, recognizable name because there's a bunch of you. <laughs> that certainly helps, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you guys all paddle at a high level. Yeah, how many ben, – Ben, how many – Schlimmer kids actually are there. Like, how how many brothers and sisters do you have? Uh, we have there are six total. Okay. So uh, most people might know that, but uh, there's six of us total. We all paddle to to a varying degree. We we've all paddled, you know, at some point in our lives for sure. Uh, we're all just very heavily involved with it. I'd definitely say. Um, but yeah, you know, we've the six of us have been kind of grew into the sport together and uh, and uh, made a career out of it. Yeah, interesting stuff. Definitely got to be some sibling rivalry there, and you have to come from, uh, you have to come from some pretty good uh, to tie back into what Kevin was just talking about. Some really good genetic stock. Like, what what's mom and dad like? Did they paddle? For those of us that that maybe don't know this, yeah, my my dad used to paddle. That's uh, that's how we got inter- introduced to it. You know, um, you know, my dad started paddling in the Boy Scouts back when he was younger. Um, his my granddad or my dad's dad, uh, 
he was a scout master and uh, he led the scout groups go on their canoeing trips down the creeks and everything like that. But uh, um, my, my family has, does have a history of paddle talent going back, you know, a couple of generations. Um, so I'd say, yes, maybe there's some environmental going on there, some genetic <laughs> genetics going on there for sure. But uh, my dad was a good athlete too. You know, he was a three sport a- athlete in, um, in high school. He played baseball and basketball and track. He ran track and, cross country like stuff like that too so just generally an active family yeah, yeah. right on now, now is there any like sibling rivalry there i mean who who actually gets <laughs> to express themselves the fastest schlimmer oh yeah there, there's always a rivalry when you put schlimmers together <laughs> it's hard for, <laughs> hard for us to even be in the same room without having some kind of competition <laughs> but uh it, it goes if you've ever paddled with a bill it's you, you it's a sprint for every bridge and every power line <laughs> Yes, it's just, it's also the sprint for the top of every mountain when we go on a hike or, uh, you know, if we go if we all do a 5K together, you know, we, there's one champion. <laughs> so nice, yeah, I I see this. What's a now? Obviously, I'm not in New York. What's a all the the mountains that you guys are summiting out there? Is there like a theme there? Because it seems like there's a number that you're accomplishing. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, the Adirondack High Peaks. There's 46 mountains out here that um that are all, they have to be at least 4,000 feet tall. And, okay. Um, if you get all 46, you know, you get to join this cool club, you know, you get like a, a patch or something like that saying, hey, you're a 46er. So back in high school, I think I started this, but uh, back in high school, we all got together and said, hey, we're going to climb all these mountains. And whoever gets to the 46 first is like, I don't know what the prize is. We just started competing <laughs> over that. <laughs> so I'm at like 23 mountains. I think my brother Mike is at like 27 or 26, and we all got a few mountains in. So we're <laughs> a little bit of a side gig we got going on. <laughs> right on. So is Mike in the lead? Yeah, Mike's Mike Mike made some good gains this summer. You know, he spent a couple weekends up there, uh, like hammering out some mountains. So. <laughs> hey guys, we're gonna. You no, know, I can't. I gotta go climb a mountain this weekend. It's very important. Family bragging rights are on the line. Exactly. And and when we're out there and we're just planning on doing like one or two mountains, you know, he'll shoot off a side trail and do an extra mountain on the side just to make sure he gets a, <laughs> gets an extra one in. <laughs> Nobody likes an overachiever, Mike. Come on now. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> hey, so I I guess that kind of leads us into you know a, a good topic to talk about. You know, we're. We're in the off season, right? Like, what's the plan of attack for everyone? Uh, ben, what's your what's your off season looking like? Whew. So far, I just been uh, working a lot, drinking a lot, and relaxing. <laughs> I'll drink to that one moment. <laughs> but no, I think uh, I think at the end of any season, it's it's important to uh, to recover, you know, to relax a little bit, to mentally recharge more than anything. But um, but yeah, I've been. It's been the end of a long season, so just now I'm kind of starting to think about uh, getting into the off-season mode. I, I'll tell you what. There was a step challenge on Garmin Connect. Ah, yes. I think uh, Mary started, I feel like. She, um, she, is the instigator. she is the instigator of a lot of the rivalry, I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I see Ben... I see ben did not join this week's challenge because last week he got stomped uh, and I got stomped too. Dude, but... she, was, she was out there on her lunch breaks every day, like doing five K's and stuff. <laughs> that, that's the thing. I'm like sitting there. I'm like, it was uh, yesterday. I'm like, I've ran 10 miles. I've lifted and they're <clears> like 
doubled me. And I'm like, I just cannot do this. They have like, they're <laughs> averaging like 22,000 steps a day. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like a whole nother level of insane, mm. right? So I, I signed up for, uh, much like this moment, I found myself in a hotel room before a business meeting um, with, with nothing else to do. And I signed up for Iceman, uh, which happens November oh, yeah. 2nd, big mountain bike race out here. And here we are, we're like, I don't know, 12 days away. And the, like, it just dawned on me, man, I'm ready for an off season. Why am I doing another <laughs> anything at this point? <laughs> it's addictive, man. It's hard to yeah. get away from. <laughs> but you, I've heard, you, I've heard you gotten into mountain biking more. Ah, it. Uh, so this is a, a brand new thing for me. I'm, I'm never going to be a, you know, it, it, Jordan Wakely is a, uh, a god amongst men on mountain bikes. And uh, actually, Tom Cannon's pretty legit on a bike, too, out here in Michigan. Um, and these these guys are nuts, right? Like, I enjoy riding a bike. But to ride a bike that fast, you look at their, you know, their average miles per hour I'm going, hey, that, I can hit that speed in like short bursts, but I can't hold that for like 30 miles. You know, how do you do that? Yeah, yeah. I can't Nuts. imagine. Crazy. I'm not, I'm not a biker at all. <laughs> so um, That kind of leads into another question that I have. And I think it's uh, now that we are in the off season, we tend to do some cross training. And both of you guys, what are your <laughs> – well, if you could only choose one um, form of exercise for the entire off season, what would it be? For me, uh, I would definitely pick. I would definitely pick swimming. I'm a, I'm a total, I'm a total water rat. I can't get away from it. Uh, I would. It's very uh, interesting. Yeah, I would cross country ski. Um, I'm not the greatest skier on the planet. I blame bad genetics there, but hey, that's my excuse, right? Yeah, I'm sticking to it. It's probably completely yeah. wrong. Uh, hey, but, Bill, how many how many types of wax do you have? <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot. There is, and more showed up. I don't know, maybe a month, month and a half ago. Like my wife's like, what's ready? this package? And I'm like, yeah, that's ski wax. <laughs> yeah. I, I, used, I used to live that life. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a fun one. Yeah, I, I I just enjoy cross country skiing. I like being outside in the winter, um, it, which kind of makes me an odd duck. Um, you know, if I couldn't cross country ski, my off season would probably be hey. Let's just be on a sailboat in the Caribbean um, drinking rum. If that's like a, is that cross training? Hell yeah, man. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm done with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I, I enjoy any, any activity in the wintertime. You know, I like to ski, like to bike, like to run, you know, um, swimming is definitely up there. Like I actually, I actually signed up for uh for a half marathon I'm supposed to be training for right now in uh, the start of November. <laughs> so I think this weekend will be my first long run and I've run like a couple miles this week leading up to it. So uh, that'll be interesting. So can we back up? Did you really just say you like to run? I, I like to run when I'm in shape. 
but <laughs> but to get in shape you have to run so it's a little bit of a little bit yeah. of a challenge that's 22 <laughs> right yeah I, I climbed to the top of the food chain so i don't have to run anymore it's pretty fantastic yeah <laughs> i i tend to run a lot do you uh, okay yeah i do um i've gotten now i've i've uh kind of always had a like a I've always wanted to do a marathon. Um, one year I got up to doing 20, uh, 22 mile long runs. Um, but that's something like for my off season, like, I don't know if I could pick one modality. I'm the, I'm that weird guy that just likes to train. Yeah. So like, I'm still training, you know, but like right now I'm doing a running block. So, uh, I'm trying to get my speed up there and running and, um, but like, I, I, I came from that bodybuilding background, so I, I can't get the weights out. I got to still lift at least, you know, uh, once or twice a week. So um, I think if I had to pick one one thing to do, I'd probably say lifting. Yeah. As weird as that sounds. But the reason I don't do it that much is because it doesn't help me with uh, canoeing as much as keeping building my aerobic engine because I still need to do that more. Um, so I do it as supplementary, but if I didn't, if I was a, an aerobic beast, I would probably just lift if I think I could get away with it. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm, I'm, I'm the total opposite and that's what I have to do. You know, we, we talk about what, what do you want to do and what should you do? Um, I really probably need to lift more. Uh, my aerobic engine is is pretty solid at this point it really is strength where my biggest gains could be you know i i need an actual program and to sit down and follow it and you know get stronger yeah, yeah. something uh we should talk more then bill because that that was my that's my that's my yeah that, that's, that's your world right that's yeah. His, his yeah forte <laughs> <laughs> so well i think this has been a pretty good episode what do you guys think i, I, think I do so. too man yep excellent all right, so let's leave it at that, fans of canoe racing, the five that are out there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, thanks for joining us uh, today on the podcast. Um, we are going to try to do some more um, episodes as the off season progresses because we might have a little bit more time because we're not racing every weekend. So uh, until next time, race fans, paddle hard. Right on. Paddle hard. We'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Kevin.